a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Perry, joined today by Morgan Lyoncotti with the Hinckley Institute of Politics. We're so glad to have you with us. We're going to have some very uh, in-depth conversations today about public education in particular, but we want to hear from you also. So if you'd like to weigh in on the conversation, please do so through the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Just text 57500. Love to have your comments and your questions. We are joined now by Superintendent Sid Dixon. She's the State Superintendent of Public Instruction at the Utah State Board of Education. Uh, uh, Superintendent, so glad to have you with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I've had a chance to work with you for a, for a long, long time. I'll tell you, lots of people listen to you, including the governor. So I, I hope you don't mind. We just jump right in because I know you are part of all of these conversations with the governor when it comes to not just what happens with COVID nineteen, but how we get our schools back open. Uh, maybe take just a moment to talk about uh, your interactions there, your input on uh, the new guidelines the governor is putting forward. Well, it's a great question. There are a lot of moving parts. Um, we are consulted for sure. There are health officials at the table, local health directors, um, the state health department, Dr. Angela Dunn. We also are aware that legislators are involved. There's a commission that was established, as you likely know. So when changes are made to Utah leads, it really goes through quite a process. And while we are asked for consultation, we're, we're not the drivers of that process, but uh, the governor has always been great to ask our opinion, get our insights, and then it does have to go through a sifting and sorting process before it becomes uh, policy. Well, it, it opens a little bit of a question. I hope you don't mind just a little bit on this, because I don't know that all the all the listeners understand this this point right now. Everyone, you know, says who's in charge of these decisions. Uh, you just talked about the process, which is so important that we have a good, clear, and, and transparent process. But in the end, who gets to make these decisions right now? About, for example, the governor saying we want our schools open. Right. So the you know the. the end of the day, when there's an executive order, that is a health department order that comes through the governor. So in the case of wanting schools to open, um, he can ask for that, but it's the local school boards who really determine how and if remote learning is best for them or uh, a hybrid model or face-to-face, those are local decisions. While the State Board of Education has supervision and control constitutionally, in the case of COVID-19 and health decisions that are made, there is a committee that's working on those decisions. So when you see something come out in a Utah Leads document or in an executive order, a lot of those are really health-driven, but there are um, processes in our state that are unique in that it tries. it, it is a collaborative process. 
In other states, it can be a decree just from the governor or in some cases from the state uh, school officer, the superintendent or the state chief officer. But in our in our case, we do have a collaborative process. Superintendent, we want to be really aware of the fact that obviously public ed is not just some big box, that you have so many moving parts. And I'm so curious to hear what you are hearing from some of those people that work in the schools. You have teachers and principals and social workers and advisors, and the list goes on and on. What are you hearing about people being excited, being nervous, being fearful, all of those things about going back to school? I think most people are nervous in general, just it's always the fear of the unknown about what will the virus look like come fall. Uh, what we've tried to do at the state board is to provide the what. So working with Levitt Partners, who is an education, or excuse me, a health consulting company, a public health consulting company, as well as members of the Utah Leads Committee, which includes, again, Dr. Dunn, local health departments, um, Joe Minor, Rich Saunders from the state health department. So really collaborating with them on how can we mitigate the risk as much as possible and what models might work to get students and teachers back safely. So it's really about the what of the virus, what it is, how it behaves, and how to mitigate that in a school setting. And even that, because there is this unknown of what the virus will look like in the fall, people just um, are not feeling as confident unless they know all of the pieces to it. You know, what will happen if a student or a teacher gets sick? Um, what happens to other students in the school? Um, how can we keep our students safe and our teachers safe? What opportunities do teachers have if they are immune compromised or uh, more at risk for the virus? C can they have opportunities to teach from home? So those are all of the questions that these plans are trying to answer. Um, and uh, the boards are passing off plans that they will send into our state board based on our requirements and recommendations. At the same time, there are some health components to that that our health leaders are working on to mitigate some of those health concerns. So I think the more information and the more communication, people will start to feel better as we lean into the fall. Well, I, I can't tell you how important that the safety aspect is of getting our, our students uh, back to school. And, and you've, you've really talked a lot about, you know, it's, you got to focus on the how, you know, assume that something is going to happen. But we, we, the, the governor's press conference today uh, addressed a little piece of that, too. It was, you know, of, of course, uh, we do this safely. But then he also talked a little about uh, an adjustment he's going to make to the orange category for Salt Lake School District, allowing them uh, for in-person uh, classes, uh, which was something they were not allowed to do apparently under uh, the, cur the current restrictions. So maybe talk about that a little bit too. And, and the, the statement from the governor that he was, he was worried that some of these uh, students in Salt Lake City in particular were at risk of being disenfranchised. Yes, thank you for that question because the uh, Utah Leads document I think is really unique and it's been a great opportunity for our state to take an economic approach early on and do so in a color-coded phase. For schools, that hasn't been that cleanly, cleanly defined in colors. So it, all along, it has been sort of challenging to overlay our needs in this system. And orange is a good example. Initially, that said uh, schools are closed, and then it was amended that we could have some small group learning and one-on-one. -on -one. We have students with disabilities, students who are learning English, um, students with learning loss who really need some face-to-face -face 
interactions with teachers. If students with disabilities, for example, need occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, some of those things you cannot get in a remote setting. So um, that, that has been an issue in the orange space. And um, having that allowance for a few kids to come in has been helpful. However, it's tied the hands of Salt Lake if they wanted to make conditions available for some of their schools and maybe not others or look at a hybrid model. That makes it hard for them to do so. So now this gives them options. Their board and their superintendent and their educators can have a different conversation about is remote our only option. Um, that's important because when we went into soft closure in the spring, while it was the safe thing to do physically, the offset of that being closed for a couple of months to in-person instruction really exacerbated issues of equity. Um, a lot of our students had access to, uh, to devices but may not have had broadband in their home. And in some of our rural and remote places, they can't even ping a cell tower. So really uh, that technology um, barrier and trying to make sure everybody is fed and make sure that social emotional needs are met. So now Salt Lake District will have some options that were not present before. Well, it, it, it certainly did untie the hands, and I know that they're going to be uh, leaning on you for your expertise as you talk about how to get these students uh, back in to some extent, keep them safe, of course, but maybe accommodate a lot of these students that maybe did not have access that, uh, that, that we would have hoped that they would have had, and certainly we'll watch that very closely. So thank you for that, and thank you for being with us. We've been listening to and talking with Sid Dixon, superintendent from the Utah State School Board. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for asking the questions and focusing on education. I appreciate it. Always and forever. Thank you, Superintendent. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but you're going to want to come back. We're going to hear from Kyle Brennan talking about athletics next on the list.